Welcome to Lesson 34, The Lord Dwells Among His People. That's right. The Lord has just settled a covenant with this nation, Israel, to make them a holy nation, and now He's going to live among them. You can follow along in Exodus 25, 26, 27, and 30. These are the chapters where God gives Moses clear instructions about how to build this dwelling place or tabernacle. In chapters 35 through 40, Moses repeats these instructions to the people as they are to build the tabernacle. This lesson will be a little bit different in format than all of the others so far. I would like to take you for a tour of the finished tabernacle and make some connections along the way to how this tabernacle is a great symbol of the Lord Jesus. First, an introduction that goes all the way back to creation. Do you remember what happened in paradise with Adam and Eve? You know, they rebelled against God. With them, we became enemies of God. This is really sad because we had such a good relationship with God in paradise. And after this rebellion, God sent them out of paradise. He placed cherubims with a flaming sword at the entrance of paradise to guard the entrance. Adam and Eve felt so far away from God. And now, in our last story, God has spoken to the nation of Israel from the cloud on Mount Sinai. His presence was like a devouring fire. He wanted now to make a covenant with this people, to make them a holy nation. They agreed and said they would be obedient. They have heard his voice. They saw his majesty, and they thought they would die. Well, now in this story, this nation of Israel is going to hear the amazing news that this same God, the God they rebelled against, the God who now spoke to them from heaven, was going to come and live with them. This is amazing. The God that we rebelled against and ran away from in paradise now says he is returning. This is a wonderful display of God's love. Israel lived in tents and they are going to build God a tent to live in. Yes, Israel will build it. But God is going to give Moses the instructions on how to build it and with what materials. If you read along in the first few verses of chapter 25, the people are commanded to give a voluntary offering of gold, silver, and bronze, different yarns and linens, animal skins, acacia wood, spices, jewels. So much was given by the people 
that they needed to be asked to stop giving. And right away in Exodus 25 verse 8, we hear God's plan. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. A lot of work was necessary. But two men who had special skill and knowledge in this work were placed in charge of the work and teaching others what was necessary. When all the work was completed, each item was brought to Moses for inspection. Many times in chapter 35 through 40, you can read that they completed it as the Lord commanded. Moses blessed them. And then the tabernacle was built for the first time, one year after they were delivered from Egypt. So, we find ourselves now in the desert, a heavenly blue sky above us, a brilliant sun, the warm sand beneath our feet. But if I look ahead, I see thousands and thousands of tents all neatly organized. The nation of Israel is camped ahead of us. And as I walk through these tents, I come up against a big, high, white wall. It stretches out 50 meters ahead of me. I walk along and turn the corner where it stretches out another 25 meters. It is a big rectangle of beautiful white linen curtains that hang from brass pillars. There are silver rods that connect them, silver cords that fasten it to the ground. This is the wall around the dwelling place of the Lord. Let us reverently and carefully approach it. We cannot peek through this wall. We cannot look over the top. It's too high. The Lord does not want that. There is no way through this wall. God designed it this way on purpose. It is as if he wants to say, I am a holy God. I am pure like this perfectly white wall. No sin can come close to me. If it does, I must punish it. That's why you can't peek through this wall. Do you understand? There is a separation between God and Israel, even though he lives there. This separation is there because of sin, and Israel would be reminded of that every time they saw this spotless white wall. But on the east side, we can see three of the curtains made of blue, purple, and scarlet linen and yarn. This is the only door into God's dwelling place. God designed it this way on purpose. Did you know Jesus also calls himself the door? Just like this door is the only way into God's presence, the Lord Jesus is the only way for sinners to come into God's presence. The white curtain shows Jesus' purity and holiness. The blue reminds us that he came from heaven. Purple is a lighter red that tells us that Jesus shed his blood. Scarlet 
is a reminder that he shed his blood for sinners. The Bible compares sins to that dark red color scarlet. As we are standing in front of this door, a man comes with an animal and he enters through this door into the outer court of the tabernacle. As we enter through the curtain, right in front of us is a very large altar of burnt offering or the brazen altar. It's a large square box with a ramp on one side. It's made of acacia wood covered with brass. It had horns on each corner. At each corner was a brass ring that a rod could be put through so that they could carry it. But let's turn our attention back to the man with the animal. The animal is now on the ground with its feet tied together, not moving. The man kneels down beside the animal and with a serious look on his face, he places his hands on the animal's head and he leans on this animal. If we could hear him, he would be saying, you're just an animal. You don't know why I'm leaning on you. That's because you are not a sinner and I am. I deserve death, animal. But by leaning on you, I'm moving my sins to you and you are going to die. You will die for my sins and I will remain alive. The man now quickly takes his knife and cuts the throat of the animal. The priest moves closer and catches the blood in a container. The priest moves to the altar and dabs the blood on the altar horns. It's only the priest who takes the animal and places it on the altar. Clouds of smoke drift up to heaven. The man who brought this animal is watching solemnly. He thinks, I deserve death, not this animal. Lord, he prays, thank thee for being pleased with an animal substitute. I deserve death, but this animal will die instead of me. This animal's death, of course, did not take this man's sin away. No, it only pictured what was necessary for sin to be forgiven, death and the shedding of blood. The man, obeying God's commands in faith, believes that his sin is forgiven by this innocent animal taking his place. God designed it this way on purpose. The brazen altar of burnt offering pointed forward to the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would be sacrificed on the cross, shedding his blood and dying. His death and blood could remove sin forever. This shows how we can only come before God. We cannot come before God as good people, but as sinners knowing that our sins need forgiveness. This altar shows the grace of God, that he is willing to accept a substitute for our sins. Let's go a little closer to the tabernacle. We now come to the brazen laver, 
It is a large brass wash basin. The priest approaches and washes his hands and his feet. The priest is a sinner and he needs to understand that in the tabernacle, he is in the presence of God. Only after washing may he enter the tabernacle. God designed it this way on purpose. The brazen laver pointed to the cleaning away of the pollution of sin. This points us to the need to be washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus, both for our guilt and for the pollution of sin. Let's follow the priest as he walks toward the tabernacle. The walls are five meters high and it's 15 meters long. All we can see is a black rectangular tent. Were you expecting something more beautiful than a black tent? God has such a wonderful design to everything. If we were to go into every detail, this video would be very long. So for now, we'll only talk about the furniture items that are in the tabernacle. The black covering is made of badger skins that stretched close to the ground and were attached with cords and brass pins. Underneath that was a second layer of ram's skins. They treated the leather until it was a red color. And underneath that was a third layer of beautiful white goat's hair. And finally, the fourth layer, there was the white curtain with beautiful blue, purple, and scarlet designs. And only underneath that do we find the vertical boards that make the tabernacle walls. Each of the walls are made of vertical boards standing in silver sockets that have gold rings attached to them. When they would slide bars through these rings, then the walls would stand up together as one unit. But on the east side, the side we're looking at does not have a wall. This does not mean it is open because there is a divider there, a curtain that is white with beautiful blue, purple, and scarlet designs. It hangs from five golden pillars. How beautiful! Carefully, let's step into the tabernacle, the first room, the holy place. It's dark and cool. Anyone from Israel could come into the outer court, but only the priests may come into the holy place. Here, he would have felt separated completely from the rest of the people. It takes a while for our eyes to adjust to the darkness, but then we see how beautiful it is inside also. The walls were wood on the outside, but inside they're covered entirely with gold. Our eyes go to the left side of the holy place because that's where the light is. There's a beautiful golden candlestick with six branches and one main middle stem. It's very large, about one and a half meters tall. Each of the branches is a beautiful design. The candles were never allowed to go out. The priests had to see to that every day. 
God designed it this way on purpose. This all pointed forward to the Lord Jesus, who calls himself the light of the world. The candlestick was made of one piece of gold and not from several pieces. The Lord Jesus and his church are one. Jesus calls himself the true vine or the stem or the main piece, and his people are the branches. On the right side of the holy place, we see a beautiful table made of acacia wood and completely covered with gold. This table also has rings so that poles can be placed through them to carry the table. And on the table, it looks like it is ready for a meal. There are 12 loaves of bread with bowls of frankincense. If this was the Sabbath day, the priest would remove these 12 loaves and replace them with freshly baked loaves. The priests would eat the old ones. God designed it this way on purpose. These 12 loaves were a picture of God's generous supply for the nation of Israel. The prepared meal and table was a picture that God and the nation of Israel also did eat together a meal of friendship. As we step forward into the holy place, we come to the golden altar of incense. It's at the back of the holy place, in front of a second veil that guards the way to the holiest place, the holy of holies. This altar is made of shittim wood or acacia wood, and it's completely covered in gold. The priest carries fire in a special container from the outer court and places that fire on the altar. Some incense is placed on top of that, and soon a sweet-smelling cloud fills the holy place and drifts upward to heaven. God designed it this way on purpose. The golden altar of incense also points to the Lord Jesus. It specially points to the Lord Jesus' prayers that are so pleasing to his Father. The Lord Jesus is always praying for his people. At the back of the holy place is another curtain or a second veil. It's made out of white linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread. This one also has beautiful cherubim embroidered into it. This is the most beautiful curtain of all. The cherubim guard the entrance to the Holy of Holies. Behind the veil dwells the presence of the Most High God. This area was only entered once per year by the High Priest. God designed it this way on purpose. When the Lord Jesus shed his blood on the cross and cried out, it is finished, this veil was torn in half from the top to the bottom. It is as if the Lord said, now that Jesus has given his life, there is a way into God's presence. The most important object in the tabernacle is here in the Holy of Holies. This is called the Ark of the Covenant. 
The ark or a chest is made of acacia wood and it's totally covered with gold on the inside and the outside. The stone tables with the law that Moses received from God are placed in here with some other items. There were rings attached to the ark. Carrying poles were permanently kept in these rings. The lid is called the mercy seat. The mercy seat and two cherubims on top that are formed out of one piece of gold. The wings of the two cherubim stretch out and touch each other. Over the mercy seat, between the cherubim wings, is the dwelling place of God. This was his throne. God designed it this way on purpose. The Ark of the Covenant pointed to the Lord Jesus in a very special way. Just as the mercy seat covers the law in the Ark of the Covenant, the Christian believer has faith that the Lord Jesus covers all of my sins against that law. Christ is the mercy seat. For now, I hope you have an idea of the importance of all the details in the tabernacle. The tabernacle from the Ark of the Covenant to the white fence are there to teach us the only way in which we can approach God. For the Israelites, all of these things pointed forward to the day that the promised Messiah would come and what he would do. For us, we can look back to the tabernacle and appreciate and love the deep meaning of God's mercy that is available in Jesus Christ. This has been a lesson with many different things to look at and many different things to pay attention to. In this tabernacle, God is pleased to dwell among his people. When Moses was finished the work, then a cloud, the presence of God, covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The people stayed there until the cloud was lifted and then they continued on their journey. This tabernacle would eventually be replaced by a temple which would be replaced by the coming of the Lord Jesus. So, when you read in John 1 verse 14 that the Word, Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us, that's the same idea as God dwelling in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Only the Lord Jesus was the perfect tabernacle for God to dwell in. In our next lesson, we will learn about the priests that God called to serve him here in his tabernacle.